I'm going to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, and uh, I've got a few passages, and I'm going to, I want to do, I want to speak on something that sometimes I can't speak on a Sunday morning to say this, so I get to uh, say this on Sunday night, and the reason why I'm saying that is going to be almost more like a Bible study uh, to my brothers and sisters in Christ as well as a message, and uh, when we are saved for a long length of time, we get very used to uh, Christian lingo. You guys know what I'm saying? We get used to saying terms, and sometimes for myself as a pastor, some of you guys as teachers and leaders, you're going to walk into a class, you're going to stand before them, and you're going to start talking, and whether you realize it or not, you're speaking right over their heads. They, they, they do not get what you're saying. And then just say, don't you believe in the redemption power of the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ? For the, you know, and they're like, what does that mean? And, and I know those are great words and they have a lot of deep meaning, but for a lot of people, they don't get it. And I started thinking about that in an, an area that I want to speak tonight on the Spirit of the Lord. Now, for all of you guys, you're going to sit there and go, yeah, praise God for the Spirit of the Lord. But I, I just want to process it before we get into the actual outline. We call it the Spirit of the Lord, or another phrase that we use for the Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Ghost. We, we interchange those things, and I've been saved by the Holy Spirit, or I have the Holy Ghost living inside me. Now just stop for a minute. Let's, let's just walk through this. Imagine yourself walking up to somebody that is unchurched, and the only knowledge they have a lot of these things is they get off TV, all right? And I'm not talking about church stuff off TV, I'm talking about our terminology that they get. You mentioned the word ghost, they're thinking Scooby-Doo. They're, they're not thinking, you know, praise God, you know, they're, they're, that's the furthest thing from their mind. And so we, we get into these conversations with a complete lost person, and in their terminology, just run with the ball and see what happens. And you tell this person, when you get saved, the Holy Ghost comes and dwells inside of you. Do you know what they would call that? They'd call it possession. They're going to begin to tell you and say, so once I receive Jesus, I am haunted. I know we, we joke about that, but just stop and think about the terminology for a minute of what they're thinking. And, and then you, you go on to say, you see, the Holy Spirit takes over your life and the Holy Spirit indwells your life. What's going through their head? So they've got this idea. And then we go on to say something like, well, the Bible says in Acts 1.8 that after the Spirit of God comes inside of us that we receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now they're thinking that you're possessed with superpowers. I, I know, I mean, just think about the process of this. And then you go on to make it even more interesting because you say, now here's what happens. Your old man dies, but you become alive again. Now, now we just stepped into the realm of zombies, okay? We're talking about living dead, possessed with a spirit, given powers. And throw this curveball at him and says, and here's the thing, you're going to live forever. He threw in immortality to these zombies on top of all that. It's, it, the Christian life that we're telling almost sounds like a, a TV special of the living dead or something because of the terminology that they have. But do we understand what the Spirit of the Lord is? Do we understand the purpose of it? And I, I want to just start with the word spirit. So look with me in the Bible at Ephesians 4 verse 23, Ephesians 4, 23, and I'm going to jump around and then we're going to get into an actual passage and I want to lay this out of what the, the application looks like of this. 
In Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirits of your mind. If you notice in this passage, it is not capital S, it's small s. This is our spirits. The spirits that's talking about in this passage is talking about the life or the real you. So when we're telling somebody about your spirit or the spirit that's inside of you or the inner man, sometimes it's referenced like that, it's your heart, it's your love, it's your passion, it's your drive, it's, it's your attitude, the spirit of a man. It's the part of you that makes you, but the people can't see it. The people can't see it, but what they do see of your spirit is the fruit or the results of the spirit that comes out of you. You say, once you're saved, we receive the spirit. And the Bible says that we see the fruit of the spirit. It's the same thing with the spirit of man, uh, of who they is. It's, that's why people have made comments, and you've made this comment and said some, about somebody and say, I like that guy. He's got a good heart. That, that's, that's referencing the inner man or saying, I know him on the inside. He loves people or he's genuine or he's honest or he's pure or he's loving or sincere or however you want to put it. So turn back to Ephesians 3.16. And I, I, I'm going to bounce around and give you application to this and show you where I'm going with this of, of what happens when we receive the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 3.16 says that, ye, that he would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with the might of the spirits, where? In the inner man. So we're, we're talking about the inner part of a Christian, the, the, the you, the part that nobody sees. The part of the spirit of man, when there's pressure put on you and you're in a tight spot or you're having a bad day or you're in work or whatever and that pressure gets put on you, I, when I was a teenager, they used to say, you know, you know how to tell what somebody is made out of is when you put pressure on them. It's the same way as squeezing an orange. You want to know what's on the inside? Put a little pressure on it. You're going to see what comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh when we have that pressure. But notice verse 17. Go and keep in line with what we're talking about, the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. The inner man. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth understanding. To know the love of Christ of the inner man within your heart, you're talking the inward. The love of Christ that passes all understanding. It's not something you can outwardly see. It's an inward peace that God gives you. Now notice it keeps going in verse 19. That ye might be filled with the fullness of of God. You know what we get from that? Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now notice the phrasing. According to the power that worketh in us. The inner man. We are born with the spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. Then we have capital S. That is his spirit. That is the spirit of God to where... It's not the same God that we're referencing of God on the mountain of Moses. We're not talking about the same God of him meeting the Shekinah glory. We're talking about the spirit of God, the presence of God with us. It's not Jesus Christ. It's different. We cannot see it, but we know he is there. And I'm going to throw some verses. If you can keep up with it, great. But I, I want you to understand this principle. 
When we get into the Spirit of God that we know that comes and dwells inside of us in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now we know that this is talking about His Spirit and the evidence of the inner man being touched by His Spirit because it's a capital S. Talking about our God dwelling inside of us. In Romans 8.16, the Spirit, capital S, itself beareth witness with our spirits, little s, that we are the children of God. There's this emotional battle that goes inside of us. How do I know that I'm truly saved? How, how do I know that God's with us? I've had this conversation with so many young people. I, uh, last week, somebody that used to go to our church and moved to Texas, they were texting me, and th- that was this. How do, how do you know you're saved, or how you, can you tell? This verse is perfect of this. The Spirit itself that we're talking about here beareth witness with our spirit. The word beareth witness means testifies or give evidence. Now, it's testifying His Spirit is communicating with my spirit. Little s, capital S. He is talking. He is ministering. He is is loving. He is comforting. He is giving peace. He's giving all of those things to us. The word bear witness means to speak to, to give, to guide, all those things that go with it. Let, let me give you an example of, of his spirit speaking or bearing witness with our spirit. We come into church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whenever you're talking about, and I say, we say, stand up and sing, let's sing together. And that person that is in the world, they come in, they sit down, they're Listening to the words, they're thinking that sounds good or whatever. And then right down the road, there's, there's, a, there's somebody possessed with the Spirit of God. The, the presence, the love, the joy, the peace, all those things inside of them. And His Spirit begins to speak to my inner man. It's not physically or whatever, but it's, it's those words begin to work in my heart and mind. We start singing about, I'm forgiven because He was forsaken. And, and you, you start singing those words. Never once have I ever walked alone. Never once. And, you know, he is faithful. My God is faithful. And you know what happens? Something begins to go inside because his spirit and our spirit is having fellowship. Now, now that's what's going on. His, it speaks. It bears witness. It communicates. It stirs up. This is true fellowship of not of the outward. Sometimes it makes it to the outward. But it starts in the inward of God working and stirring and and, and, and lifting up and exalting. And then the tears start flowing. The hand goes up. And you just sit there and you just overfilled with joy. And you say, what is that? The fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit of God is love and joy and peace. His Spirit speaks to my spirit. We have this verse in Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to yourselves. In psalms, hymns, and what? Spiritual songs. Singing and making melody where? In your heart to the Lord. True, authentic worship is when the indwelling of the Spirit of God, Him in me, begins to stir up everything that I'm putting into my mind and reminiscing about all those things. The word heart means here is the thoughts or feelings or the mind. The inner man. While we're singing and praising God with our lips. 
He's working and ministering and stirring us up on the inside. That's how you can have a horrible day, a rotten day, I mean a horrible morning, and walk out of church and, and God sits down with you, ministers to your heart, stirs you up, picks you up, and loves on you. You say, how is that possible? It's the Spirit of God working in a way. Here's the point, and this is all by introduction. I've got a short message, big introduction. Here's the point. We have the Spirit of God, or His life, in us. We have the attitude of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that, in us. My attitude, the old man, the inner man of who I was... You're not going to find a whole lot of love, joy, peace. Because, because my spirit, okay, that they, they might have a good heart, but we don't always have his heart until he comes to dwell inside of us. Let me tell you, we've been given the spirit of God. And as we have the spirit of God, we are different, we are better, we are stronger. And God has given us, given us all that to make us more like him. With all that said, turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel 16. Allow me to show you this in action. Because I'm telling you, this, this should flow and come out of our lives. I mean, it's one thing to say, the Spirit of the Lord is here with us this morning. Okay, what is the evidence? What is the working? What is the moving? What, 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 is, what is the product or the fruit of the Spirit being here today? What is the fruit of the Spirit, not just in your life, but in your family? What is the fruit or evidence of the Spirit of God dwelling with us at Fellowship Baptist Church Sunday morning at 11? We can say it's there, but can we see it? Can we experience it? Now, this is a very popular, well-known passage of this story. But we're not talking about Goliath and all that. I want to point out this aspect of David. Now, if you look up the definition, it's different from the word spirit here than the uh, New Testament because it's Greek and Hebrew, but still meaning the spirit of God, the same spirit, his spirit. In chapter 16, verse 12, and he sent out and brought him in. Now, he was a ruddy, we're talking about David, with all beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And, notice, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and he went to Ramah. And the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And listen to this. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Talking about Saul. There was a change in this young man's life. And I'm going to just walk through for a couple minutes and I want to point out the change that happened in this young man's life. The difference that was in him. The Spirit of the Lord, the Bible tells us in this passage, came upon David. From that day forward, he was different. Now don't get me wrong. I believe David, before this, loved God, loved his dad, was different. I mean, I I think there there was a, a spirit about him, but it wasn't the Lord's spirit that we're about to see. I believe David was a good kid. I believe people would say he's got, he's got a good heart, the reference that we would say about him. He was hardworking and obedient and respectful to his parents. But on this day, he was touched with the Spirit of God. And that anointing was an outward physical evidence of that as he knelt down and the, the, the pouring out of the Spirit of God upon him. Now, for us, we've been there ourselves. Not, not in this reference, but in our spiritual 
The day that you were saved, wherever it was, at an altar, in your house, or wherever it was, and you knelt down and you cried out to God, and the Bible says in the same situation that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, all the goodness of God and the peace of God came and dwelt inside of us. Hundreds of verses that explain that. But it came and, and landed on this young man. In chapter 16, verse 11, and, Sam, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? He said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send forth, or send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. This was not, not an accident. God went seeking after him. Verse 12, And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. From that day forward, he was changed. Now I'm going to bring you through and just show you two points this morning, tonight. I want, I, want to start, I want to start with the presence of God or the Spirit of God upon us. I, I'm saying, what do we see in David in verse 13? And the Spirit of the Lord was upon him from that day forward. Could people tell? Was there a difference in his life? What, what could we learn about this? We know that the Spirit of God changes you. And it's not always fun. It's, it's, it's conviction where God begins to toy with you and tell you to change this and fix this and correct that and get this out. And you shouldn't talk that way. And you need to respect and all those things. And it, it's the inner man. It's, it, nobody has to tell you that. God speaks to you from the inside out. That's how you can be in traffic and get mad. And, and five minutes later, you're sitting there just crying out to God. God, why did I do that? I'm so sorry. It wasn't mom or dad that had to sit down there and say, you shouldn't do that. It wasn't the pastors. It was God that then. There's the evidence in the, in the presence of God with you. Now let's read this, verse 13 again, but think of it this way. What if we replaced it with what the definition of the Spirit of God or that? And the life of the Lord came upon David. The love of the Lord came upon David. The joy of of the Lord came upon David. The passion of the Lord came upon David. Make it personal. The day that you were saved. And God says no. I didn't just move and work. You didn't just receive salvation from hell. I came and dwelled inside of you. I the spirit of God. Came into your life. The love of God. The peace of God. The change of God. The passion of God. Chapter 18 verse 28. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. Do you know how I just, I just stop and think, wow. If, if whatever is happening, because I promise you, when God gets a hold of your life, I'm, I'm not talking about a church experience or your name on the roll of a church. I'm, I'm saying when God got a hold of your life, and you can see that in people, and we can see that in Saul of the New Testament. When God got a hold of them, and people came back and looked at your life and said, Man, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I cannot put my finger on it. I cannot explain it. I cannot point it out. But I can tell you something is different about that guy. Something is different about my wife or my husband or my child. I can see a change in their life. There ought to be an authentic change in your life. Sometimes it's slower to come out on the outside and we look at them and say, well, they don't look like a typical church member. They don't look like that. But I can tell you on the inside, 
they sing the songs and, and they're crying and, and they praise God and they love their Bible and they love to be there and they're faithful and all that because God is working in them. And he goes on in, in that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Verse 29, and Saul was yet more afraid of David and Saul became David's enemy continually. He was threatened by him. I'd love for the Spirit of God to be working in my life so much that I, get, I was a threat to the devil. I love the change to be so evident in my life that, that, that the enemies of the devil begin to stand up and say, that's the guy we need to start watching. That's the guy that's a threat. That's the guy that we don't want to mess with. That's the guy that we want to discourage. Wouldn't it be great to be targeted? I mean, I know that's not in your prayers. Lord, make me a target of the devil. It's not in our prayers. But man, something was going on in that man's life. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Yet Saul was more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. And the princess of the Philistines went forth. And it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all his servants of Saul. There, there was something inward of the inner man, his spirit of that man, but overcome by the spirit of the Lord that began to guide him and change him and correct him. Wouldn't that be wonderful as a dad and a husband and a leader? Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was you walking into work just like Joseph, that he walked into Potiphar's house and they stood back and said, I know that God is with you. Wouldn't that be great? We talk about being a witness to the world. We talk about being a light and salt to this world. Yet for some reason we think that that is just giving a gospel track to that person. Or saying to that person, why don't you go to church with me? They ought to see the difference way before they ever receive the gospel from you. That, that from the way that you act and the way that you behave yourself and the way that you love and the way that you give and everything else should be evidence in your life. So that his name was much set by. David became known. David re- retained a, a, a reputation For the spirit or the attitude and the wisdom that was showing in his life. Chapter 19, verse 1. Let me show you this. This this is the spirit of God. I mean, we talk about it and say, hey, the spirit of the Lord was with me. Or I was saved or I received the spirit. Let's talk about it. What does that look like? Chapter 19, verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants and that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until morning and abide in the secret place and hide thyself. Here's the thing that I'm going to show you guys. Here he is. He's got his dad that the Bible says there's an evil spirit about him. Jealousy, rage, anger, everything else that was coming out of Saul. On this side, you've got David. David. It has the spirit of the Lord. David was known for praise. David wrote worship to God. David, David would praise God in the valleys and, and all the things. Just read through Psalms. You'll know what I'm talking about. There was something different about David. And there's his son standing in the middle. Follow after my dad or betray my dad and go after him. Do you know what happened in that situation? Jonathan risked his life. To follow after the one that showed the evidence of the Spirit of God living inside of his life. There there ought to be an attraction of the world to Christians. And I know know this can be mixed up because you're saying, 
wait, wait a minute, that, that we should be peculiar and different stuff. But I'm saying you can't take somebody that walks from the world and put them around a saved, born again Christian that gives God the glory and has a joy about them and a peace. And when the economy's falling out and saying God's in control and all this other stuff, without the world looking over at that person saying, I wish I had that kind of attitude. I wish I had that kind of spirit. I wish I had as much confidence of not knowing, but knowing that God's in control as you do. But I don't have that. You know why they don't have that? Because they have a spirit, but they do not have his spirit. We are different. We see this difference in there. Let, let me tell you the example of that. Let me show you Jesus Christ. The crowd was drawn around him. He was a reflection of his father. Jesus made even sinners feel like they mattered. He made outcasts feel like they were important. Do you realize how important your, your spirit is when it comes to leading your class? Leading a family or leading a ministry or going to school or whatever it is. Jonathan was willing to betray his own father for the sake of David. Because he's saying, I'd rather have that than that. I wonder when it comes to us. Does the world look at us and say, I want what he has? I want to be around that. When you invite them to church, are they curious to say, I just want to see what you dipped into to find out what you got? What makes you so different? What makes you tick like that? He felt the joy and the peace to be in the presence of the Spirit of God through David. And yet all he got from Saul was jealousy and spite and revenge and anger and hate. You know, I've, I've been around Christians that I think the fruit of their spirit is wrapped in barbed wire or something. I, I mean, just some, something is masked. There's, there, there's not that joy. There, people aren't attracted to them. They're, 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 you get around and you go, oh, you know, just there, there's nothing positive of what we see of the evidence of God. You know why sometimes I believe that we struggle being a witness? Because we've got the Spirit of God, but nobody can see the evidence of all those things that he said that we are. Now I'm going to show you guys, I want to take this to the next level. Let, look at the spirit of this, and this was the motive. When I first started this study, this is what we're about to look as we finish, is what I wanted to get into. And I, I'm saved. I have the spirit of God inside of me. I know that. I can tell you guys, and you just say, how do you know for you're saved? Because his spirit bears witness or speaks to my spirit. Man, over and over and over again. Through hearing the preaching of God's word or being with you guys or things that get me excited. And, and I mean, it's just, it, I'm weird, I'm different, but I know that. But it's something about even singing the songs and working to music and everything gets me excited. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. Now, just as curiosity, how many of you would testify of the same thing in here? Raise your hand right now. Okay, now we have a holy huddle. We're, we're talking about something Bigger than just my spirit, and bigger than just your spirit, but we have the coming together of a bunch of the spirits of God in one place. All the same spirit. Okay, just correct that. We, we all have the same spirit, which is the spirit of God, but we come together. And then we, I'm going to show you where we're talking about when the Bible says where two or three are gathered together that I'm in the midst. And, and the reason why I got into this, because we talked about the spirit of a Christian, but I want to talk about the spirit of the church. I want, to, I want to talk about what does that look like if, you were, if God was to stir all of us. If it wasn't just my heart being touched by God and God communing and bearing witness with my spirit. 
But if God reached down to Fellowship Baptist Church and the Spirit of God was with Fellowship Baptist, not just with Tony. And we, we have some people that come to church and they get all excited and they're there and I can see them there and there and there's one there and there. But what if, what if church looked like 500 Davids? What if worship on Sunday morning looked like 500 Davids? What if our attitude when people are coming in and guests were getting off your bus routes and people were walking in your classes and they were walking through the door and they were coming out, what if all of us had the spirit of David rather than the spirit of Saul? I'm going to show you that we actually have in scripture an illustration of this. Saul is jealous of David. He's now hunting him down. We're jumping forward a little bit. And the funny thing is, we, we do dumb things. We're not, not being led of the Spirit. We're blinded. That's what we were talking about this morning. The, the prodigal son running to the pig pen. He, he could not see where he was headed. We're blinded. In 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 19, and it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Nioth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when he saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing at uh, the appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messenger of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now, study this out, because when you first read this, you're going, what? Here's what's going on. So they gather together. Samuel's there. David's there. And they had some sort of gathering. I don't know if it looked like church. It, it probably looked something like this. And here's what's going on. Samuel's there, and David, imagine, sitting there saying, what are we going to do? Saul is after me. This is not good. And somehow, in the midst of all these Christians getting together, the Spirit of God, that Bible says, was upon them, they began to prophesy. They began to speak of the Lord, testify, sing, praise His name, lift up the glory of God, however you want to do that. And, and something was so powerful there, that when the messenger of Saul got there, and they knocked on the door, and they busted through there, we're, half the day, we're here after David. By the time they made it from the door to where David was, they stopped and the Spirit of God was upon the prophets or, or the messengers of Saul. And by the time they got up there, they were like, "Whoa, God is good. I'm not just kidding, that's what we just read. That is what's going on in this passage. You say, what was going on? The Spirit of God, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit of you sin, and I know it was different in the Old Testament, but the evidence of God being there was so strong that it affected those around. That there was, there was an evidence of that. Have you guys ever been in a service where this, you say, man, the Spirit was really good today? It's because all the Christians that were there walked in expecting, seeking, crying out, wanting the presence of God. They were not, it was God's Spirit there, not their Spirit. It was his presence taking over, not our bad attitude, but his presence with them. I'm not done. This, this gets good. Watch, watch what happens. So, in all of us, the love, the joy, the gentleness and all this. I mean, you can imagine. And we're going to take this story to, to, to the next uh, page or, uh, or level of what goes on. But you can imagine. All right, let's say, let's make application of this. The, love, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness. And if that was inside of all of us, and we weren't quenching the Spirit of God, but it was all in, in, in all of us. And I mean, all of us coming together, and you take somebody from the world, 
And they walk from the world from where they don't get love and they don't get joy. And, they, and I tell you, that they went from a bar fight. They, they weren't going from unity and joy or anything. And they walk into this. And from the door and the parking lot, there's people that have a smile on their face and a presence of God and gentleness and joy and a presence. And man, they're positive. And they get it at the door and it's like, man, that guy's in a good mood. Whoa, that guy's in a good mood. What is up? This has to be some sort of act. They, they do that because that's their title. And they, they've got that little lanyard that says volunteer for the church. And that's what's going on here. But then they get up and all of a sudden all these people have the same thing. There's a difference when the Spirit of God is inside of you and you're singing because we say to stand and sing. But when you're singing because His, His Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. There's something, there's like an overdrive that kicks in and man, you know, my God is good and my God, and you're singing this and all of a sudden God gives and you're like, man, you begin to sing out. You're excited. Same thing happens in a ball game when you're sitting there and they throw the ball back and forth and all of a sudden that guy gets it and he throws a crazy Hail Mary and they pick it up. What happens? The whole crowd goes, whoa. I mean, they're all excited. They shout, they scream and they stand to their feet. Something kicks in to say, hey, something is happening right now. And then it's Pastor Joe, and then it's myself, and then it's the preaching, and it's the altar ministry. And then when we say, hey, let's stand and sing, and all of a sudden, all 500, the Spirit of God is bearing witness with our spirit. And we begin to praise God, and it's real and authentic, and people can tell that there's something different. You're going to tell me that wouldn't have effect on people? You want to tell me that that wouldn't make a difference? It ought to. There's a difference between... Having a church with people that have the spirit and having a church that is spirit filled. Didn't we just read that earlier that they might be filled with the fullness of God? When he's talking about the inner man. Now, notice what happens here. Chapter 19, verse 20, the last part. And the spirit of God was upon the messenger of Saul and they also prophesied. Here comes these men. And... Something happens and the devil gets kicked out and the Lord took over and the Spirit of God worked in those guys. But notice verse 21. And when it was told to Saul, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. So Saul was like, well, I'm sure they just had an off day. And hey, guys, tomorrow morning I want you to get up and I want you to go down there and I want you to get in there. And don't become one of these religious fanatics when you get there. They're going to be singing and praising God and all that stuff. But I just want you to walk in there and do your job and get David and bring him back to me. By the time those guys busted through the door, by the time they made it to David, they were singing and praising God. They became choir members and, and part of the, this group. Say, so, well, that was just a lucky opportunity. Verse 22, and when he also, then when he also to Ramah, he came a great well in Sikhu, and asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they are in Ramah. And he went thither to, to Naoth, and Ramah, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him also. And he went on in and prophesied until the came of Naoth and Ramah. The Bible says that he's not even there yet. And the Spirit of God walks outside and gets a hold of him too and begins to work in his life. Have we belittled the working of the Spirit of God so much that we don't understand what we have? I, I, we, we talk about all the time. Lord, work in our life and work in our church. And Lord, Lord, just do something different. But I tell you, it doesn't come because we come to a building. It comes because the Spirit of God's working in all of our lives. There's, there's something happening. 
You say, Lord, work in the church. It ought to be, Lord, work in me. But if the prayer of every one of us was individuals, before we walk through those doors, Lord, fill me. Lord, work with me. Lord, help this world, help these people, help my class today to experience Jesus in me. You say, Pastor Tony, oftentimes we do not see that. So let me close with one last verse. But this time I want you to actually turn there and look at it. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the Spirit. Talk in the church, Thessalonica. Quench not the Spirit. This language was taken from the same way as putting out a fire. In the sense to extinguish the influence that the Spirit of God is having through a believer. Quench not the Spirit. If you will, that fire that God has burning in each one of us, the Spirit of God stirred up, excited, anticipating, wanting, anticipating to see God work. And you walk in there, and you know what you're going to find? You're going to have Christians walking through the halls and walking, you know, calling you before you get there or something posted on Facebook and he works. The devil loves to work in creative ways, but he's going to walk around with a fire extinguisher. He sit there, man, I had a great day and man, God is good. And I'm, man, I'm just praying for God to work today and work in souls and work in my class and, you know, and just sit there and squirt it all out and say, well, did you know? And it's just like, oh, it's gone just like that. And all of a sudden, we allow the Saul's to creep over and overtake the Davids in the church or in your family or in your work or wherever it is in your ministry. And I just thought, I want that David spirit. Not only for me, but, but to experience when David got in that group and they begin to all prophesy and get excited and the spirit of God took over that group. I just said, what, what's the difference? This is what I, I, Pastor Joe and I were talking about this, and I said, what is the difference? When, when you have a service to where a lot of good things plan, and the Spirit of God doesn't show up, as opposed to what is missing to, or, or, or added to that day where you have this, that, that service, and God blows the doors off. We, we, we read all sorts of different illustrations in Scripture, but what's the difference? And I do believe it's when we learn not to extinguish the Spirit of God. And His Spirit begins to bear witness in our spirit and to stir us up. And all of a sudden, coming out of my lips and my mouth and my, my, my post and everything else is love and joy, the fruit, the evidence that God's working in me. And that begins to go effect because that's what we've called to do.